All right, are you guys ready for the message today? I just want to start out in prayer, so why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's just focus on the Lord for a second. Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you, Lord, for the word that will be brought forth. I declare it will change people's lives. It will change our lives, and we will never be the same from this moment forward. I thank you for today. We just worship you, we magnify you, and we declare we'll be doers of this word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, it's funny that he went to 2 Corinthians 9, because I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 10. So we're just on a roll today. And while you're turning there, I want to ask a question. Anybody else besides me ever notice that your thoughts never shut up? Wow, there's like three, four, oh, in the back, yeah. Um, I'm going to ask again. Has anybody else besides me ever noticed that the thoughts in your mind never shut up? Okay, now keep your hands up. Everybody keep your hands up, and I want you to look around. Okay? That's important because I just wanted to show you that you're not alone. That's one of the biggest deceptions of the enemy is to make you think that you're the only one going through whatever you've gone through. And see, when you, when you can feel isolated, that will keep you from moving forward. That'll keep you stale. That'll keep you stopping. And I'm kind of moving ahead of myself, but you know how you tackle fear? You keep walking. When you stop, you're done. When you stop, you're done. You got to keep moving. You got to keep walking. Sometimes walking by faith can seem like the most fearful thing, but it's actually what deters fear from controlling your life. All right, so 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to start in verse 1 and 2. It says, now I, Paul, I'm going to say, now I, Dominic, myself, am pleading with you. I'm going to emphasize that word, pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you. Interesting. But being absent and bold towards you. Look what he says here. But I beg you. So he's pleading with us, and he's begging us. That's interesting terminology. I always grew up thinking that I wasn't supposed to plead, and I wasn't supposed to beg. Um, but here he is. So obviously this is very important to him. This is very important. This is very vital. This is something that he wants us to get across. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some, or who think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. So what's he saying here? He's pretty much defending himself from his critics, from these people that he's writing to. He's saying, don't look at the flesh. Look at what I'm saying. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. Listen to what I'm about to say. Don't focus on what other people are saying about me. Focus on what I'm saying to you because this is what's truth. Sometimes what, other people, what, sometimes what other people say about us is not always accurate. Right? <laughs> Can anybody say that, right? Have anybody heard anybody uh, say something about them that wasn't really true? Yeah. So Paul's pleading with us, saying, don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. But before I continue, I wanted to share with you a statistic that I saw on the Internet. And the Internet's always right. Um, <laughs> but I, I got multiple sources, so this seems to be pretty accurate. Experts estimate that we think... 50,000 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Wow. Wow. Believe that? 
I'm sure women are in the 80,000 range, and then men are like in the 50,000. But that's a lot of thoughts. Every day, every minute, every moment, every second, every millisecond. Right now, you're all thinking something. You're thinking, where's he going with this? Or you're thinking, what about my lunch? Ooh, my stomach's growling. Mm, I didn't have a good breakfast. Ooh, look at that. It's like squirrel, 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 right? And they say 80% of those thoughts are negative. 80% of what you think every day is negative. That's pretty mind-blowing, right? And then 95% of all the thoughts are repetitive. So 80% of what you think is negative, and 95% of what you think is repetitive. So you're mostly thinking the same bad things about yourself or about your situation. Isn't that insane? You're like, oh, not me. Rich is over there writing, no, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> no, he's writing down everything that he thought this morning. Um, but it's easy to think that, you know, when we hear about the mind, when we hear about thoughts in church, to just dismiss it. But yet it's something that we all go through every day. And that's why the title of my message is The Fight of Your Life. Because it's a constant fight every day. Every moment of every day, like I said. Every second of every day. And it's something you can't get away from. It's something that will always be there. It'll be there after church. It's going to be there during church. It's going to be there when you, want to, when you watch the Broncos hopefully win. It's going to be there tomorrow, <laughs> Monday morning. It's going to be there Thursday night. See, we just need to get out of our brain right now that um, we're never going to have bad thoughts or that we're never going to have um, interesting thoughts or degrading thoughts. You just need to get that out of your mind right now. I think that was one flaw that I had coming into church, you know, when I first started coming, that eventually my mind would be so pure. And it's not. Because the Bible says we need to renew our mind. And the Bible talks about saving the soul daily. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit's born again if Jesus, is your, if Jesus Christ is your Lord. Amen, right? Amen. Your spirit is, but your soul isn't. And that's the part that we got to do battle with every single day. And that's how the enemy attacks us, right? In our mind. With thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Everything that has happened in this world, in your life, in history, started with a thought, started with an idea, and it started with a suggestion. Isn't that how the enemy attacked Jesus out in the wilderness? We don't know for sure if he was there in person, but it, I have a feeling it mostly was in here. He could have been in person, but I think the battle was right here in Jesus' mind. What about in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Jesus is battling, right? He doesn't want to go through with dying on the cross. Well, would you? I mean, he's about to take not just a physical beating. He's about to take on a spiritual death. He's about to become spiritual death. We have no idea what that's like. He's about to become sin for us. That's got to weigh a lot. And he said, my soul is to the point of anguish. His soul, his mind, his will, his emotions. 
He was probably having a full-on panic attack right at that moment. But he did it for you. Right. He did it so you wouldn't have to have panic attacks. He did it so you wouldn't have to live with anxiety. Amen? Amen. He took the beating in his mind so that way you could live free. And it is a constant battle, but it's a battle we can win every day. It's a battle that we can win every second. Amen? Do you guys believe that? You guys can win. You, can, you guys believe you can always win. Amen. I do too. So what's, the, what's kind of the consequence or of, of these things? Put up Romans 8, 6. You don't have to turn there. And then New King James. What does the Bible say right here? Survey says, for to be carnally minded is what? But to be spiritually minded is what? How many of you guys like life and peace? How many of you guys like death? Some of you like. No, don't raise your hand for that one. Life and peace comes from being spiritually minded. And that doesn't mean walking around like, spiritually minded. That means keeping your attention and your thoughts in line with what the word of God says. Amen? But what happens when we let our mind go uncontrollably? Results in death. Think about, think about this for a second. So you're planning your grocery list, right? Okay, so you're like, oh, I got tomatoes, lettuce, milk, cookies. Mm. Milk and cookies. I said, oh, they taste so good. Milk and cookies. I mean, Santa Claus eats milk and cookies. This is delectable. It's great. Oh, but it has a lot of sugar in it. Hmm. Sugar's really bad for you. Hmm. Uncle Phil actually had diabetes really bad because he ate so much sugar. And he had all his legs amputated, his arms. <sighs> wow, he's in the hospital for like 20 years. Um, oh, and then he died six months ago because of diabetes. Oh, what if that happens to me? What if I go to the hospital? What if every limb of my body's amputated? What am I gonna do? I might as well just die at that point. Death would be better than that. How did I go from thinking about my grocery list to death? Y'all are laughing, but you did it yesterday. You did it yesterday. It's funny how something such as simple as a grocery list can result in you thinking about how you're just going to die. But that's how crazy our mind can get if we don't control it. Right? That's why the Bible says so much about this topic, because it's so important. Because what you think in here will actually eventually happen out there. I mean, how many people have to commit suicide for us to take this seriously? Just to name a few, Robin Williams, um, Chester Bennington from a band called Lincoln Park, uh, an NFL player named Junior Seau, and then recently, a young associate pastor at Great Glory's Church named Jared Wilson took his life. But how did it start? It started with a thought, it started with an idea, and it started with a suggestion. It's pretty important, right? What we think. Because eventually, you know, what we think about this grocery list can domino effect to death. And that's with anything. And that's what happened with these people. Eventually they got to a point where they said, it's better for me to end my life. I just want to declare to you today that down is not your destiny. Come on. Amen. 
Down is not your destiny. The Bible says to keep our head up. Right? Constantly keep our head up. When life drags you down, when people are saying cruel things about you, when the devil's coming into your mind, telling you you're a failure, that you're never going to make it, that you don't result in anything, that's your mommy's little mistake by the lake. That was a thought I had to battle for the longest time. <laughs> right? Brian's over there laughing like, oh, I'm going to write that on his whiteboard next. <laughs> I'm being real today. A lot of you think you're not worth anything because your mommy and daddy never even got married. You were maybe a one-night stand, a result of a one-night stand. Right? Amen. But God knew you would be born at that very moment. Right. He has a destiny planned for you. Amen. He has a plan for your life. Amen. You weren't a mistake to God. Nope. You were born for a purpose. Yeah. You are important. Yeah. You are vital. Yeah. Say, I'm important. I'm important. And I'm vital. I'm it doesn't matter what my parents did. And guess what? It doesn't matter what your kids do. A lot of people think that they're failures because of the lives that their kids, you know, live. And that's not true. Could, could you have done some stuff better? Maybe. Couldn't we all have, though? I already could do a lot of stuff better. And my son's four and a half months old. I probably shouldn't scream and yell and cry when he screams and yells and cries. Or... Poops all over my hand like he did yesterday. I made a big old scene about it and I didn't have to. The point is we can all be better. But don't let your lack of being better keep you from thinking that you're not important. Amen? So everybody say one more time. I'm important and I'm vital. Sometimes you got to say that 50 times a day when you don't feel like it. I have to battle this just being up here this morning. Right? I look at people who are way better communicators than I am. And I have to go up there and try to talk for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it is. That's daunting. Believe it or not. But I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to help you. And the, and the more I keep that in the front of my mind, the more easier it is to do this. This is not an easy thing. A lot of people think preachers come up here and talk for 30 minutes and that's it. It took me hours to prepare this message. And every hour and every minute I was battling thoughts that I wasn't going to be good enough to deliver this message. Same thing with guitar. I'm up here constantly, kind of constantly, you know, playing guitar. There's people that play guitar way better than I do. But guess what? I'm not up there to compare myself. I'm up there to give praise and worship to God. Amen? A lot of you are in the, the danger zone. Danger zone. You know what the danger zone is? The comparison zone. When you spend your life comparing yourself to somebody else, you're just like a a hamster in a wheel. That's for somebody this morning. You need to stop comparing yourself to your neighbor, to your coworkers, to your family, to even your spouse, right? I feel like Rachel could get up here and 
preach a sermon on the fly. And it takes me hours to even think about what I'm going to say. Right? I can live in comparison to my wife, or I can just go out and do what God's called me to do. Amen? Oh, I'm preaching this morning. Woo! All right. 10.52. We're on a roll here. All right. So we are constantly fighting, right, what our friends, what our families think of us, what society thinks of us, what the devil thinks of us, what we think of ourselves. Every day. Every moment. I'm going to give my testimony at some point, but I feel like I need to... Uh, Continue. I told myself I'd do it right here, but we need to go back to Scripture real quick. So 2 Corinthians 10, we're going to keep going in uh, verse 3. So what does the Bible have to say about these things? He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not flesh. They're not physical. But mighty. Somebody say Mighty. In God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's some strong wording there. You're to pull it down. You're to cast it down. And make it subject to the obedience of Christ. I kind of skipped ahead there. But that's what you're supposed to do. It says, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ... And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So somebody say, God, God has, given me has given me mighty weapons, mighty weapons for, pulling down for pulling down strongholds, strongholds and, casting down arguments. and casting down arguments. Isn't that awesome? Yes. So this, this constant battle we're fighting, we're not alone. He's given us the tools. He's given us the weapons to do this. What are, what are those? Does anybody know? Nobody knows. Okay, good. Um, well, it's by what you believe and by what you say. Amen. It's all wrapped up in this one point. Are you ready? This is my one point. The battle in your mind is won and lost by what you choose to believe and speak every moment of every day. I'm going to say that again. And I might even say it two more times so you can write it down. The battle in your mind is won and lost by what you choose to believe and speak every moment of every day. Can I just say it one more time? One more time, one more time, one more time. The battle in your mind is won and lost by what you choose to believe and speak every moment of every day. Somebody say every moment of every day. So when is this battle going to end? When you're dead. Thanks, Rich. When you're dead. And sometimes that can feel frightening. I know the moment I came to that realization, it was like, well, that stinks. But then I read this scripture, and God has equipped me with yes. mighty weapons. Yeah. The word of God is a sword. Yes. Sometimes you just need it. Chop those things in a million pieces. Yep. Or a lightsaber. You know, you're, you're dismantling those thoughts, right? By the word of God. By what you're speaking, by what you're believing. Well, what if you never get in the word? Come 
you never get in the word, how are you going to know what to believe and how are you going to know what to say? This is why spending time with God is so vitally important. How important? Vitally important. It's not just a religious duty. It's not something we do just because we're Christians. No. This is helping us overcome the wiles of the devil. The Bible says put on the whole armor of God. I'm not going to ask how many of you know what the armor of God is. And if you don't know it, why not? And if you're brand new, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people who've been coming for like five, 25 years. Right? Why don't we know it? Because we haven't dug into the word. Did you even know that he gave you armor? And it's only armor that faces forward. It's nothing that covers your back. Why? Because he's got your back. He's got your back. It's only stuff to keep moving forward. Because like I said at the beginning, how you fight fear is you keep walking forward. You keep pressing toward the goal, Paul says. He compares life to running a marathon. I've ran around. Okay, so last year I was um, thought I'd be good and disciplined and my friends invited me to go to Stoker Stadium at like 5 in the morning, right? It was like October, so it was cold, very cold. Did not plan for that. And so we did lunges on the field. It's like pitch black, by the way. I don't recommend this. This was not smart. Maybe like go to the gym where it's lit, you know. Anyway, I was there, and I hadn't gone in a while. Gone, well, I hadn't gone there in a while, but I hadn't ran in a while. I don't like cardio. It's... I'm working on it. Self-discipline. I'm working on it. And so my friends who had done it for a while, they were running around the lap. So I'm or running around, you know, Stoker on that nice track. And I'm like, I can compete with that. I'm like, how many laps do you guys do? Ah, oh, four's like our warm-up. And I'm like, thinking back to school, four's a mile. <laughs> oh, this is not good. What did I sign up for? I'm like, I could do it. I'm young. I'm 24 at the time. You know, I could do this. I made it around like two, and I was dead. I hadn't conditioned myself. How do we condition our, ourselves spiritually? With the word of God, with prayer, huh? By speaking in tongues. Oh, and that's not scary. That's one of the weapons God has given us to fight the enemy with. We're not a weird church, we're a Bible-believing church. If it, if it wasn't for speaking in tongues and praying in the Holy Spirit, I don't know where I'd be. And no condemnation to you if you don't do it. If you don't, you know, if it's a scary thing to you or freaky thing, it's not. It took me a while, but once I did, it was key in me keeping my mind free from the deception that would constantly hit it. That's all it is. It's a, it's a weapon that God has given us to overcome obstacles in our brain and in life. Amen? I guess now would be a good time to share some of my testimony. Have any of you guys heard my testimony? A little bit? A little bit? Galio in the back, thank you. Candy heard it, she was there. So I don't want to take too long. I, I timed myself yesterday on how long this would take, and it was about 10, 15 minutes, so hopefully it doesn't take that long. I promise it won't bore you because it's kind of weird. Um, but anyway, so I started coming to this church 10 years in August, 
been coming here for a decade. That's insane. That's insane to me, because I still feel like I'm 14 sometimes. I think Rachel thinks I still act like a 14-year-old sometimes. Absolutely, Rich says. Rich thinks I still act like 14 in the office. Praise the Lord. All right, so I'm about 14 years old. We went to church pretty regularly, Sundays. Um, and it wasn't a huge part of our lives. It was a part of our lives. I did, you know, um, believe in Jesus and God and all that. I knew it was good to go to church. I like to call myself the, the, I was the secret sinner because I was pretty good with my mom and my family because for one, I didn't want the ear pull. Um, the ear pull is terrible. I think that's child abuse now. But anyway, um, the ear pull is terrible. But it kept me, you know, didn't, didn't act up too much. Anyway, my poor mother is just probably thinking, I am not a child abuser. Anyway, I'm losing track, so here we go. So I'm 14 years old. It was about June 2009. And about this time, I started um, encountering very hardcore warfare in my brain. Thoughts that I, had, I couldn't control at all. And it was really bad thoughts about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. You know, F-bombs flying into my head about God. And I'm like, I don't want to think this about God. He's God. What if he just fries me? at this moment for thinking these things. I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was going crazy. And you know, I didn't really listen to very good music at that time. You know, how many of you guys know what you put in your ears goes into your brain? Yes, and you're just setting yourself up for failure that way. Yeah, you know, uh, not Jesus, Lucifer, Satan, was a musician. Music is one of the primary ways he works to get influence into your life. That's a side journey. Anyway, um, so I was not listening to good things, probably not watching good movies. Um, no, not doing things that a Christian should do. So anyway, I got, I was in my room one night playing video games, playing Burnout Paradise it was. It's a racing game, you know, where you fly cars and hit people and do all that cool stuff. But I wasn't feeling very good that night. And uh, the thoughts were really raging. I was getting pretty weak. I didn't feel very good, I was nauseous. So I told my friends, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to get off. I'll catch you guys in the morning. Like, oh, okay, dude. And I'm like, okay. And so I went to bed. And the moment I hit, hit, the, hit the pillow, the thoughts started going berserk into my brain, like machine gun status. I don't know if anybody's ever had machine gun status thoughts into your mind, but it's scary. You feel like you're insane, like you should... Like you're not a good person. And it was all thoughts, bad thoughts about God. Bad thoughts about the Holy Spirit. You know why there were bad thoughts about the Holy Spirit? Because I read that one scripture one day about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So now I'm thinking that I've committed the unpardonable sin. Right? And what does that result in? I've already committed the unpardonable sin. What's the point to keep living? See how it spirals down that domino effect again? So I got to this point where I just couldn't fight it anymore. Um, I got up. I was nauseous. I went to the bathroom. I felt like something was trying to take control of my mind. And I just remember we had a stool across from the, the toilet, so I sat on the stool. At this time, my mom and my grandma came into the, um, came into the bathroom, kind of freaking out because they never seen me do anything like this before. I never seen me do anything like this before. I was shaking and um, I kept hearing this name 
in my head, the name from that scripture, Beelzebub. And I didn't even know how to pronounce that name. That was the devil. I'm like, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I'm 14 years old. I keep hearing this name. I said, get me a Bible. And they're like, okay. So they got me a Bible. I'm like, I pointed to that scripture, which is a miracle that I even knew where it was at. But I said, I keep hearing this name. And my grandma's like. <laughs> She's like, we're praying right now in Jesus' name. And so they start praying. <laughs> that's, not a, that's probably not something that your uh, family wants to hear. And in the moment she laid hands on me and started praying, I just started crying, weeping. And the thoughts went away. It was great. It was wonderful. But what happened is I really had a, a severe panic attack because I was freaking out, obviously. I don't know if anybody's ever had panic attacks, um, but they're not cool, right? I see a lot of you shaking your head. And you don't know, nobody else can relate to it unless you've, you've been there. And I, I relate to you guys because it's, the worst feeling in the world. You don't feel like, you feel like you can't breathe, you feel like you're gonna die right there. It's a terrible feeling. Anyway, I was so weak that they had to help me get up, and I'm like, I'm sleeping with you, mommy, tonight. She's like, okay. Uh, so I lay down in my mom's bed, and she was started reading the psalm over me, and it helped calm me down even more. Went to sleep, but my body was still freaking out that I would keep jolting in the middle of the night. It was weird. Like one time, you know those scary movies where people like go straight up like that? Like they're dead and then all of a sudden they come like that? No, not, not, not any of you guys. You guys don't watch scary movies. I forgot you. You guys are holy. But I used to. And that's another avenue that the devil will try to use to um, inflict fear upon your life. Anyway, one time I came up just like that. Like my body convulsed to that. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. Are you guys getting this? Are you guys, am I boring you or no? Okay, good. And so the next morning I woke up, and this is the only time in my life that I've ever felt like this. I was eating breakfast. I was really weak. I was really tired mentally, spiritually. I, I don't know how to explain it. It was a tired that I've never experienced before. Never have. But that was, I was eating my cereal, and at that moment I felt like it would be better to die than to continue living. Wow. It's the only time I ever felt like that. And it wasn't logical. I'm like, I could kill myself, and I would never have to experience that again. I'm thinking to myself, why would I do that? That doesn't make sense. But it started with a thought. Right. Started with an idea. Started with a suggestion. And I'm like, man, I need help. So that summer, I started um, trying to find help. Met some weird people along the way. But one day, I felt in my spirit I needed to talk to my friend Bryce about this. And Bryce is Candy and Greg's son. And I was like, okay, he's going to think I'm insane and crazy. And this guy has devils in his head and he's losing it. So I was like, hey, you want to go for a walk around your neighborhood? I told him everything. He's like, oh, okay. He wasn't like shocked by it. And I was like, does this guy know what I just said? Like, I'm legit insane. And he's like, oh, I think you need to talk to my mom. I'm like, okay, I'll talk to your mom. So anyway, I talked to Candy. We ended up talking until like 3.30 in the morning. It was awesome. And then she invited me to church. She actually picked me up because I couldn't drive at the time in the silhouette, the van. Greg knows how to harness that van, by the way. Fast and furious. I'm just kidding. He, bought, he follows the law. Um, 
But I came to church that following Sunday, and I've been coming ever since. Amen. Amen. What's the point of the story? Well, the point of the story is I found, I rededicated my life to Jesus, and I found out that I wasn't crazy. But you know what solidified victory in my life? Is when I opened up to somebody else. A lot of people, you don't want to tell anybody because you think you're crazy. I thought I was legit crazy, right? Little did I know, that pastor went through the same thing kind of a little bit. That's why it's important to share these things with somebody else trust. If I hadn't told Candy, I wouldn't have met Pastor, I wouldn't have come to this church, and I wouldn't be up here today. But it's because I chose to keep walking. I didn't get stuck in my dysfunction. I didn't get stuck in my junk, right? In the webs, in the lies. I kept walking. I didn't even know that's what I was doing, but I kept walking. How many of us are going to keep walking, right? We're going to keep living by faith. We're not controlled by fear. We're not controlled by what the devil tells us, right? We're not controlled by what people say about us. We're controlled by the Holy Spirit, right? Romans 8, 6, we are spiritually minded people. Amen? We are spiritually minded people. Say, I'm a spiritually minded person. Amen. Now, that's, that's testimony is great and it's awesome. But I have to tell you that it's been a battle since then. I got free, yes, of that. But I had to realize that the battlefield in my mind was a constant everyday battle. Every day, it's forever. And guess what? The moment, like I said earlier, the moment you realize that it's a battle until the end, that's a big step in you winning. Because then you realize what the word says, that he's given you mighty weapons. Mighty weapons to cast down strongholds and imaginations, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, everything that says that you're not going to make it, everything that says that God's not good enough. The Word says He is. So that's when you have to choose what you're going to believe. I like what Keith Moore says, always stay on God's side. And that's one thing I always chose to do, even though I didn't know that's what I was doing. I always chose to stay on God's side. Amen? So I'm going to reiterate my main point again because it's so important. The battle in your mind is won and lost by what you choose to believe and speak every moment of every day. The battle be ne- be, may be never ending in this life, but it's one you can always win. So how can we practically apply this to our lives? Well, start out with spending five minutes a day discovering who you are in Christ. When you find out who you are in Christ, you won't put up with a lot of the stuff you've been putting up with. And a lot of us that have been coming to church for a while, we, we hear that and it's like, oh, I know that. Then why aren't you living like it? And some of you newer people today um, may not know, have any idea who you are in Christ. But you can get into the word. We can give you a Bible so you can start. We have people that can share these things with you. The Bible says you are an heir of God, co-heir with Christ. What does that mean? Everything that's Christ is yours. Everything that Jesus has is yours. That's mind-blowing. Because he created everything. You're saying everything you created is mine too? What? But that's what he says about you. He also says you have the mind of Christ. 
that was a weird one for me. I'm like, how do I have the mind of Christ? I'm thinking totally wrong and inappropriate things. And what do you mean I have the mind of Christ? That's a declaration of faith. I have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. And that's just not overcoming fear and anxiety. That's innovative, right? You have the mind of Christ. You're creative. We're creative beings. Amen? So much more than just battling. It's creative. It's innovation. It's, the church should be the most innovative body, most innovative organization in the world. Amen? Because we have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. So you... So did you get that? Spend five minutes discovering who you are in Christ. And then speak it over your life. Because you need to speak these, these words. You need to speak the word. You need to speak to overcome the thoughts. How do you overcome a thought? With the word. And not the word. The word. Amen? What else we can do? After you speak it, meditate on it. Meditate's not a weird word. What does meditate mean? Just think about it. Hmm, I have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? God, show me what that means. I think a lot of times we talk too much in prayer. We need to just sit back and let God talk to us. You know, there's so many things we don't know. And that's how we get revelation, right? By just listening. And we can get more revelation on what it means to have the mind of Christ. What's another way we can apply this? Listen to In Him Scripture audio by Pastor on the website. I found this on the website. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have this? I didn't even know. And I'm a pastor here. But I looked, and I'm like, sure enough, I clicked on it, and he's reading every in him scripture. That's meditating on it right there. That's hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? And it's under the resource tab, by the way, the resource tab. In him scripture audio. Great resource that pastor did. And what's the, what's the last thing? Get rest. When you're tired, you're vulnerable. Come on. And that's a good word for this day and age. Because we can get so busy. We can get so caught up with life. With good things. Right? But when we rest, we're rejuvenated. Some of you need to cut some things out of your life because it's making you vulnerable and it's making you weak and you can't figure out what's going on. It's because you need to rest more. You know, this, the, there's a whole teaching we could do on the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is for a reason. You need to rest for a reason. God didn't rest because he needed to rest. He did it as an example to us. And when we, we're not rested, I can testify to that. When I'm not rested, when I'm not, you know, um, when I haven't slept well, when I'm just go, 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 that's when the thoughts happen more in my, in my mind when I'm not rested. So how many of you guys say, I'm going to get more rest? I'm gonna get more Amen. Amen. What are you guys going to do? Get more rest? And see, you have, to get, you have to cast down the thought that you're not doing anything when you're resting. That's something that I, ought to go, I have to overcome every day. That I'm not doing anything worthwhile for the kingdom by resting. It's like, uh-uh, that's not true. That's not true. See, that's another thought. You guys are knowing a lot about me today. But guess what? I'm not alone. Amen. You guys all think the same thing for the most part or something similar. That's why the Bible says nothing is taken to you as is common to man or something like that. That's King James. Pretty much what he's saying 
If you're going through it, somebody else is going through it. And there's power in that. It, it puts us together saying, I'm, I know you're thinking this. I've been there. That's why Jesus can relate to us because he was a man. He knows what it's like to think weird, crazy thoughts. He thought every weird, crazy thought in the book. Amen. And he did it for you. He did it so he could give you these mighty weapons, right? Oh, Jesus is awesome. Isn't he so cool? All right, I need to wrap this up. So we're going to finish our text in 2 Corinthians 10. And we're going to keep reading in verse 7. Is this good? Are you guys getting something out of this? Are you guys learning about who you are? Are you guys learning that you don't have to put up with the evil thoughts of the enemy? Amen? Amen? I hope you are. Um, We're going to keep reading here. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? So this is right after he was saying um, to cast every um, high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring all thoughts into obedience to Christ. If anyone is conceived in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this to himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Isn't that good? You belong to Jesus. You, he's yours, and you're his. That's so good. You can meditate on that for the rest of your life, and that would give you a boost. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. So pretty much he's, the context of all this is he's defending his ministry, he's defending himself, lest I seem to terrify you by my letters. Now here's what people say. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. I didn't even know what that word meant. I had to go Google it. You know what contemptible means? Despicable. Worthless. This is Paul the Apostle. Apparently, he wasn't a great communicator. That's what it says. A lot of people are thinking, oh, it'd be so great to listen to a sermon of Paul. Not really. He was boring. He was clearly not Jesus in the aspect of communication. Speaking. That's kind of crazy to think about, huh? So let's finish out. Let such a person consider this, is that what we are in word by letters, we are absent, so we will also be indeed when we are present. Interesting. People were talking some smack about Paul. Like, this guy doesn't know how to preach a sermon if his life depended on it. But what if Paul didn't write his letters because of what people thought about his preaching? Ooh. He may not have been able to preach very well, but the man could write. And it's because he wrote we have two-thirds of the New Testament. See what happens when you listen to other people? If he had listened to them, he wouldn't have wrote. And if he didn't write, we wouldn't have the New Testament, most of it. Isn't that crazy to think about? But he didn't let what people think about him stop him from doing what he was called to do. And he still preached anyway. Fine, you don't like it? I'm going to keep giving it to you anyway. We need to have that attitude. Not that we disrespectful to people or anything like that. But when people say something, it's like, no, I'm going to keep moving. Amen. No, I'm going to keep walking. 
nope, it doesn't matter what you think about me. I'm still going to keep doing what God's called me to do. Amen? I'm going to say it again. If Paul had listened to his critics, what these people were saying about him, he never would have wrote. Because it would have been easy for him to uh, have in his mind, uh, I can't preach, so that means I can't write. I can't speak very good, therefore, what's the point in even putting, you know, pen to what I'm saying? But he didn't do that. Thank God he didn't do that, because we have scriptures like we just read. He's the one who told us we have the mind of Christ. He's the one who told us that we're heirs with Christ. He's the one who told us we're um, heirs of God. He's the one who told us that we have mighty weapons to pull down the strongholds that the, that the enemy, you know, uses in our lives. Isn't that good? If he would have stopped, we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be up here today. But he didn't listen to what people said. He didn't listen to what the thoughts in his mind were telling him. He just kept walking. And he kept casting down those thoughts. He kept using his mighty weapons in God. He kept speaking the word over his life. And that's what you guys need to keep doing today. You need to keep pushing forward. You need to keep pressing on. Doesn't matter what your mind thinks. Doesn't matter what other people say. Doesn't matter what the devil says. Who cares what he says? He's going to burn for eternity anyway. And we're going to live with Christ forever. Amen. Did you guys get something this morning out of that? Amen. So why don't you stand up?